0: Hey, this is Homer Hargrove. I'm the pastor of Grape Top Church, and this is our podcast. I wanna thank you for connecting with our family today, and I hope this message inspires you and that it makes a difference in your life. Enjoy the message. This series on relationships has been so beneficial. We've been talking about dating, we've talked about marriage, but today we're gonna talk about something a little bit different. I wanna ask you guys this question. Do you think that culture matters inside of church? Do you think that culture matters inside of church? And for today's message, the title is Culture Shock. Culture Shock. Look at your neighbor and say, Culture Shock. We're going to do a lot of talking to our neighbor today. Culture Shock. And before we get into this message, I want you to know that we're going to talk about race, We're going to talk about culture. We're going to talk about church. And I want to, as a preface to this message, I want to make it abundantly clear that we are going to be talking specifically about church. We are not talking about uh, our nation. We are not talking about any kind of politics or any other kind of organizations. We are talking specifically about church. And so I'm making it, again, abundantly clear that in no way... Are we trying to uh, imply uh, any kind of political view or any kind of um, ideology of any given organization? We are only talking about church. All right? Someone say church. Church. Only? Only? Church. Church. Now let's keep it real. So as we get into today's message, I want to read y'all where culture started in Genesis. In Genesis chapter 11, starting in verse 1, it says, At one time all the people of the world spoke the same language and used the same words. As the people migrated to the east, they found a plain in the land of Babylonia and settled there. They began saying to each other, Let's make bricks and harden them with fire. In this region, bricks were used instead of stone and tar was used for mortar. Then they said, come, let's build a great city for ourselves with a tower that reaches into the sky. This will make us famous and keep us from being scattered all over the world. But the Lord came down to look at the city and the tower and the people were building. Look, he said, the people are united and they all speak the same language. After this, nothing they set out to do will be impossible for them. Come, let's go down and confuse the people with different languages. Then they won't be able to understand each other. In that way, the Lord scattered them all over the world and they stopped building the city. That is why the city was called Babel. Because that is where the Lord confused the people with different languages. In this way, He scattered them through all the world. So, not only... We, right here, we're seeing the, 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 the start of diversity. We, God literally created diversity in the world. And a really good resource to understand even more of the DNA aspect of it and different ethnicities and races is, is a really great resource is to go on to answersingenesis.org. And they have all the science explaining um, DNA and the different theolo- theories and etc., and so I'm not going to go into all that. Our main focus today is about culture. But in this, this part of uh, where we see the Tower of Babel made, God confused the people, and diversity and culture started. And it's really interesting when you look at all of the different cultures in the world, and there, there are similar threads that go through every single culture. For example, almost every single culture has somewhere in their beliefs or ideology that there was once... Um, a, a, a great disaster that, uh, that covered the earth. That, um, there, the, most, most cultures in, in different uh, places, they also have this idea that there's a, a creator to some sense. That there's a great spirit or someone that, that all this came from. But not getting into that either today, one question before we get into our culture shock message is why would God do this? Why would God cause these people to not succeed in what they were doing? I believe that some of this is mysterious. It's a very mysterious part of the Bible that we we really can't fully understand. We can speculate, and we can assume some things, but we'll never fully understand until we get to heaven. But one thing we can do is trust God and His wisdom and His judgment. And what we can also... Come to reason with is that even though this is mysterious, what the people were doing were not just creating uh, the original Eiffel Tower. What they were doing was building a pagan shrine and worship of the stars of heaven. uh, In that time and even in today's time, people often worship the stars and created these false gods, these other gods of pagan worship. That's why they were trying to reach to heaven. That's why they were building this giant monument to the stars. And it helps us to understand why God would cause that to be stifled a little bit. But then we think, well, is it really that big of a deal that He would just come and interject like that? I mean, it's funny that the parts of the Bible that where God interjects, we we look at and say, I can't believe God would do that. But every other time... Do not people always say like, well, why doesn't God do something? <laughs> it's like we'll never, we'll never be satisfied with God's action or inaction in our minds. We either think he should do something or that he should have never done anything. One idea behind this pagan worship is when you look at history, pagan worship wasn't just a pleasant uh, ideology of acknowledging stars as beings or anything like that. What it often turned into was child sacrifice. Very intense sexual immorality. You wonder, why would, the, why would the Israelites leave God so many times to worship these other gods? Because the way that you'd worship the other gods was usually by having an orgy. <laughs> the, the, the sexual passions that they had often led them astray from the holy God. Why would I be all holy with one person when I could go have orgies with all these people and it's, and that God would like it. See, not only that, but the, the child sacrifice, all, all the wickedness that really comes from these deep p- pagan uh, roots are horrifying. Even, even in some religions and some cultures uh, of pagan worship, they would combine the two and children were often looked at as as sex slaves until they got older. Have you ever seen the, the movie 300? You know that the, if you've ever heard of it or seen it, what they depict in that movie is as a child, these Spartans were uh, raised to be warriors and that they would grow and that they were very hand selected as children to be bred to be these really great warriors. What they neglect to tell you in that movie is that they also became the sex slave of whatever mentor they had training them to be the warrior. See, when you look at the, the roots of paganism, it, it's immoral. It's wicked. It's, it's not just, oh, well, they don't worship God. It's, it's going diving into evil more and more you get into it. And why would God pick that specific time to create different languages and diversity? This is right after the great flood. The great flood happens, and why did the great flood happen? Because the wickedness of mankind was so great, God couldn't bear it anymore. He said, something has to be done. The great flood happened, wiped out all my, mankind, except for Noah and his family, and all the animals on the ark. And then, after this, after the great flood, God says, I will not do that again. I will not, I will not wipe the, the world out with a flood the only time that the world is going to have to deal with anything similar to that is on Judgment Day when, he, when the Bible says that it, instead of water, it will be fire. But this all being right after the flood, right after God says, I'm going to do my best to make sure that these people with free will are not going to get to a point so great so soon of wickedness to where my wrath won't be able to, to be held back. And so... Then we see God confuse the people to where all the the pagan and wicked uh, styles of worship are postponed and take longer to get to. I mean, people acknowledge that our world is so crazy today, right? Imagine if God God didn't confuse people at Babel. how, How much more wicked and evil would our world be today? To where children, even in San Antonio, did you know just this last week that there was a child found? and a barrel of acid? That's that's in our own city. Imagine how wicked and great that evil would be if God didn't confuse the people at Babel. How much faster along we would be. Y'all dig what I'm saying? And so, let's fast forward to today, alright? I just want to give a preface. Is that cool? Did y'all like that preface? Y'all feel like y'all got a little more understanding of the story of Babel? And so, now... Today, that diversity that started turned into a sharp dissension and division, especially with inside the church, to where certain cultures are not acceptable, depending on what church you go to. I want to read you all this last verse before we get into the, that was, that was just the prologue, okay? Was it the epilogue or prologue? That was just the before. Okay, now we're going to get to the message. It says in Galatians chapter five, verse fifteen. But if you are always biting and devouring one another, watch out! Beware of destroying one another. Now again, we're talking about the church. Talking about what's inside the church. This part of scripture, Paul wrote to who? The church. We're not the. I'm not talking about our country. I'm not talking about. Our world, I'm talking about the church that worships Jesus Christ. Y'all feel me? I'm gonna make that abundantly clear. And so, first thing that we gotta do is let's look around. Let's look around. Look around. Look at, look at your neighbor. Look at someone behind you. Let's look around, and, and what I really believe the church needs to do is we need to take our heads out of the sand. We need to look around. Let me read y'all in Acts chapter 6, verse 1. But as the believers rapidly multiplied, there were rumblings of discontent. The Greek-speaking believers complained about the Hebrew-speaking believers, saying that their widows are being discriminated against in the daily distribution of food. In the early church, in the book of Acts, we see signs of... Mistreatment. We see signs of, of passive racism. We see culture divided, even in a soup kitchen, to where people are not giving good portions. Just imagine if you went to Bill Miller's. And there's somebody in front of you that was wearing a beige hat. And they gave that person two scoops. And then you come up thinking you're about to get two scoops, but you're wearing a red hat. And they only gave you one scoop. Is that right? That's not right, is it? What would you think? What did I do to get treated less? And then you start realizing that you guys got different hats on. You start realizing that you guys dock differently. See, that's that's what's going on in the book of Acts. I'm talking about when Pentecost happened, when people were getting healed, miracles were happening. The disciples were just walking by and if their shadow would fall on somebody, they would be healed. They were seeing such amazing glory of God happen and yet when they saw somebody that was different than them, they were petty. And so you cannot tell me That the Bible doesn't talk about racism. That the Bible doesn't talk about uh, cultural dissension. Let me give one other example. Is that okay? This is a good one. This is in Galatians. It says, but when Peter came to Antioch, I had to oppose him to his face. Someone say to his face. Because that's what you do when you're mad. You get in someone's grill. For what he did was very wrong. How wrong was it? Very wrong. very wrong. When he first arrived, he ate with the Gentile believers who were not circumcised. But afterward, when some friends of James came, Peter wouldn't eat with the Gentiles anymore. He was afraid of criticism from these people who insisted on the necessity of circumcision. As a result, other Jewish believers followed Peter's hypocrisy and even Barnabas was led astray by their hypocrisy now it's galatians chapter 2 verses 11 to 13 see even peter cornerstone of the church exemplifies this form of racism and cultural dissension even through his passivity He didn't say anything directly wrong to the people, but just because of his passive uh, actions, people knew exactly what was going on. Have you ever been to a church before and you notice that you're a little bit different than everybody else and no one said anything, no one necessarily did anything, but it was almost like what they didn't do and what they didn't say that made you feel unaccepted, that made you feel unwanted. Y'all dig what I'm saying? Racism is disguised in the misconstrued concept of culture. Stereotypes are often made to a given race because of their culture, not just because of the color of their skin. See, if w- what we often do is we, we try to make a distinction between people's skin color, their ethnicity, and their culture. But... I don't believe it's people's race. I don't believe it's, it's their skin color that really makes this dissension and this racism. I think it's the culture that comes with it. And it, it, if you notice, I, I'm going to be very blunt today. Is that okay? Um, let's look at the stereotype of a cholo. Let's say, someone say Cholo. I don't know if this still applies today, but when I was growing up, cholas usually wore some dickies that were so ironed out that you could cut your finger on the the crease. Y'all think what I'm saying? Usually had some real thick oakleys on, maybe a a chain around their neck, and either a polo or a button-up shirt and with the top shirt button. Y'all know what I'm talking about? And even if they were wearing sandals, you can wear some high-top socks. Now, what, what conservative culture says is that that's ghetto. You shouldn't dress like that. That's that's how that's only how gangbangers dress. If you want to dress right, you have to dress like everybody else over here. And see, we think that it's it's just being ghetto. When, when a black guy is walking down the street and he's sagging, sagging his pants, people say, oh, that's just ghetto. Pick up your pants, son. That's ghetto. But what I'm projecting to you today is that a lot of times that's just culture. And just because the majority of our church culture is white and doesn't dress like that and doesn't do those things, doesn't mean that people have to conform to our attire, to be able to fit in. I don't, I, don't, I don't care where a lot of those trends started, but what you have to understand, it, I'm, and this is really, I'm telling you guys, we got to take our heads out of the sand. I remember I had a conversation with my friend, he lives in Wisconsin, and I was asking him about this. I was like, hey, how do you feel about this, this, and that? And he was real with me. He said, honestly, man, it, uh, it, he's black. He said, honestly, man, I feel like uh, a lot of times when I go to church and he's a youth pastor at his church says, I, I felt like I, I couldn't dress the way I would normally dress. There's a time where he can't couldn't even grow his hair out because people said it looked ghetto. Even the way that he would talk. People say you need to stop talking street. You're not ghetto anymore. And he just told me, man, that's that's not about me being. It's not being ghetto. That's me being black. And I feel like I have to be white in order to fit in. Like I have to dress white. I have to talk white. To be to where that's the acceptable Christian. And the the issue with. With these ideas of stereotypes, you got to understand that even even when it comes to stereotypes, they're often in the form of of jokes, right? Everyone's here heard a a race joke before. Even most people think that race jokes are funny. Y'all agree? Everyone here has said a race joke especially about your own race. If it's about your own race, it's okay, right? But those, those stereotypes and those, those racist jokes are only passive forms of ignorance. And even those jokes were not made by people in your own race. They were made of, of some racist person that thought it was funny making fun of your race. And just because you can acknowledge maybe some, some ideologies that... Are consistent in culture, and just because you can see the humor of those consistencies in your culture doesn't mean that it's okay to approve of racist stereotypes and jokes. Y'all dig what I'm saying? The, the, The church has been unknowingly promoting a right way. A right way to dress, a right way to talk, a right way to be. But there's not a right culture in Christianity. There's not. In fact, if you look at our Protestant roots, the Protestant word of Christianity, we're Protestant Christians, it stems from the word protest. Protest. When the, when the early Christians moved away from Europe to come to America, and that they became Protestants, as in to the protest of a one-culture-minded church. And they protested their beliefs, and, and they were willing to move away and start something completely new for diversity within their faith, within their religion, within their beliefs. And we have unknowingly... Been pushing back towards the same idea of there being a right way of culture. Y'all dig what I'm saying? We we really gotta just kill this critical spirit of there being a right way. And we need to understand that diversity breeds creativity and perspective. When you look at church culture today, it is geared to one race. And I understand the demographics of our country is about 49% white, 20% black. Uh, I forget the exact percentages of, of Latino and Asian. But. What I'm projecting to you today is that we've gone past demographics and we've gone into this idea of right way. Y'all feel me? And let me, let me make this, this idea real quick, because every, everyone understands that church should not be isolating to one race, right? Right? And I want you to think about if you've ever said this or if you've thought this before, the idea of if anyone's ever said, well, there shouldn't be a, a, just a quote-unquote black church. There shouldn't be just a Latino church. Anyone ever thought that or heard someone say that before? It's the idea of, well, there shouldn't be just one race going to a church. That doesn't sound right. Would you all agree? And so... Now, take a step back. How do you think those people feel when they go to a church and it feels like a white church? Just because we're used to it doesn't mean that they are. Just because we go to a black church and we might not be used to it doesn't mean that they're wrong and we're right. Y'all dig what I'm saying? Someone say, see how good it is. Like I said, church shouldn't be isolating to one race. But if a church is inclined to that culture, then praise God. Why why should they not be able to worship God in the way that they feel comfortable? If I were to go to Africa, they worship God completely different than I do. I've never once wanted to use a tambourine to praise God. I can go to another country, and they have flags, and and they do all kinds of dances. And I've never once wanted to worship God that way. But they love it. They love to worship the God that they know in the way of their culture. And that's not wrong. And just because here in the States, we have the idea that that there's one way to have church, if we were to go to any other country, they would do it differently. Do you all dig what I'm saying? You go to Brazil, they're going to worship God differently than we do here in the States. If you go to, to, to Europe, they're going to do it different. If you go to Australia, they're going to do it different. Everyone has it differently wherever you go. And ju- the, the thing about America is that we are the melting pot. And so we are so many different races. We are so many different cultures, cultures all in one nation. And it's something special. But it's wrong for us to, to be so multicultural, yet within church we say, no, there's only one way to have church. Did y'all get what I'm saying? We, what we really need to do as a church is we need to celebrate our differences instead of judging those differences. Culture... Is healthy. Culture is good. And I'm going to just say it. the, The white conservative church is not the only way to have church. I've heard people tell me that they have a hard time finding a church because it feels too white. Is that wrong? No. Have you ever gone to a church? Maybe it was a black church and you thought, man, I don't... I don't really worship God that way and I don't feel comfortable keep going because it's just not your jive. So why does someone have to feel like they're obligated to go to a white church when they don't feel that jive? Y'all dig what I'm saying? You, you need to go where you're celebrated, where you can feel comfortable around your people. I've been to plenty of churches where I felt like the odd one now. I, 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 I feel way more comfortable going to a Latino church than I do going to a white church. Does that mean I'm a racist? No. It means I like to go where I feel celebrated. I like to go where I feel the culture. And that looks different for every person based off of their upbringing, based off of how they were raised, based off of their worldview. There are multiple worldviews that see Jesus as Lord. Y'all take what I'm saying? There's, there's plenty of people that will try Gravetop Church out and they will feel accepted. They will feel loved. They will. But there's also plenty of people that are going to come here and they're going to be like, ooh, this isn't really my thing. I don't really like how Homer preaches. I don't really like how the language is. I don't really like how the music is. I, don't, I, I just don't dig it. I just don't feel it. And they're not even going to say dig it because they don't like this church. But that's okay. God didn't make our church to be the only church in the world. God made more than one church to be the church. And it's okay for people to go somewhere and not feel comfortable. If you come here and you don't feel comfortable, then you should go to a church that you feel comfortable at. And I'm talking about just with your personhood. We should always feel uncomfortable by a message in church, but we should still feel comfortable with inside the church. Y'all dig what I mean by that? Go where you're celebrated. You will have so much more peace. You'll have so much more joy going to a place that you're celebrated. And we as a church, we need to stop trying to make people feel this false sense of peace and we need to stop blaming those people for not feeling comfortable. We we need to be the church and we need to lead people right. I'm tired of, of the church putting all the blame on the individual that's just trying to, to walk their way in God. <laughs> that's good. <laughs> Is God not infinite? Is there any limits on God? We all understand that, right? If God is infinitely knowable, don't you think that there's going to be some different aspects of God that, that we can understand and glorify and we will not be able to catch other aspects of God that He definitely has? There's no way we can, one person can worship God to the infinite of His being. And so with every culture, they find an, an aspect of God that they have found and that they have seen, and they glorify it that the best they can. So who are we to judge and say, that's not the right aspect of God. You should glorify God this way. Paul even says, if somebody chooses not to eat meat, it's for the glory of God. If someone chooses to eat meat, they give thanks to God and it's for his glory. So it doesn't matter. Now look, I'm not talking about doctrinal issues. I'm talking about simple culture. Y'all feel me? God is infinite and is able to be glorified in more than one culture. We need to see how good it is. And we need to stop acting like it's not there. We as a church need to stop trying to force people to be white to be black, to be Latino, to be whatever, they, whatever they, we think they should be. I'm not trying to just pick on white people, but I've been to plenty of Latino churches where, where I, I get made fun of for being the only white person there. And, and before I go to this last point, I just want to bring one last thing to, to more clarity. It is not fun to be made fun of. And even within your own race, it does not qualify you for the complete entirety worldview of every person in your race. If If you're a Latino, you're Mexican, and you make a Mexican joke, It may be funny in your group of friends, in your circle, but I guarantee you that there is somebody in the world that would take deep offense to it because of something that they personally went through, because of a a family issue, because of something, it'd be offensive. Y'all dig what I'm saying? What may be funny to you may not be funny to everybody. And we as Christians, we're supposed to live above reproach. And th- this is an aspect where we, we need to get better as a church. And I'm talking about our church specifically, and I'm talking about the church in the U.S. Because every, every race has, has poked fun at another race. I'm white most of my friends growing up were always minorities and I was the only white guy hanging around with a bunch of black guys or I was the only white guy hanging around with a bunch of Mexican guys and when I lived I, I lived in three different states at a time I lived in Texas I lived in Florida I lived in Louisiana when I lived in Texas all my friends were Mexican when I lived in Louisiana all my friends were black when I lived in Florida all my friends were white Culture's different everywhere but I've, I've been made fun of too I've been called honky, I've been called cracker, and it's not fun. And I, I, I don't even have to take it that serious. It's, not, it's just like, why are you picking on me? And now when you mix in history with it too, those racist jokes become a lot more deep. Just because I've been made fun of in my race doesn't mean I have the right to make fun of anybody else's. Y'all feel me? And so, ending with that thought, see how good it is. Go where you're celebrated. And we should be people that celebrate others. We shouldn't be looking at what makes that person different than me. We should be celebrating what makes them different. Stop looking at people and thinking, well, that's just ghetto. That, that's not right. They shouldn't dress like this. They shouldn't talk like that. Let them be who they are. If it was something that needed to be changed to them, don't you think the Holy Spirit is powerful enough to tell them Himself that He doesn't need you to be His hitman to call people out? Y'all dig what I'm saying? So let's go. Look, I know that was a deep tone, okay? Let's go to the unity of Jesus. (laughs) Someone say the unity. Unity. Y'all are all sad now. The The unity of Jesus. Finding common connection. See, Jesus is the one who we find all commonality in. And everyone has a story of Christ bringing them from death to life. See, at the end of the day, yes, culture does matter. But there's something that matters even more. And that's Jesus. And we, we, we have so many different things that, that separate us Jesus is the one thing that unites us. Let me read you all some verses. In Galatians chapter 3, verse 26 through 28, it says, For you are all children of God through faith in Christ Jesus, and all who have been united, someone say united, United. with Christ in baptism have put on Christ like a new, like putting on new clothes, There is no longer Jew or Gentile, slave or free, male or female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. Paul just obliterated the idea of us being different people, different races, even to the point where he says there's not even male or female. We are all just children of God. In 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 10, it says, I appeal to you, dear brothers and sisters, by the authority of our Lord Jesus Christ, to live in harmony with each other. Let there be no divisions in the church. Rather be of one mind, united in thought and purpose. We can still celebrate our differences while being united as one body of Christ. Let me read one last verse and it's in John chapter 13, verses 34 through 35. It says, So now, this is Jesus talking, So now I am giving you a new commandment. Love each other, just as I have loved you. You should love each other. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. See, in all things, we may have plenty of differences, but how we will be known is by how we love one another. Despite our different cultures, despite our different upbringings, despite our different races, we will be known by how we love one another, by how we celebrate our differences instead of make fun of our differences. We will be known by how we love one another. For Jesus to say that out of everything you do, he doesn't say you'll be known by the miracles you perform right here. He doesn't say that you'll be known by how good of a message you can talk, how well you can articulate the word of God to others. He doesn't say you'll be known even by how much you are like me. He says you'll be known by how you love one another. He's saying you'll be known by how united you are even though how different you are. When you look through the twelve disciples they were a bunch of ordinary men that were uh, very, very different. They were not all fishermen. Some were tax collectors. Some were rich. Some were poor. Some were very political. Some didn't care anything about politics. And Jesus is saying that you are united by the way you love one another no matter how different you are. And with this, this whole topic talking about how culture does matter in church, I'm also ending it by saying culture doesn't matter when it comes to loving one another. It doesn't matter when it comes to accepting our fellow man in Christ. Culture matters, but it doesn't matter when it comes to loving one another. I want us to all bow our heads and close our eyes. And if you're here today, maybe you are a person that felt isolated at some point. Maybe you felt like you were the odd one out. Today, you need to know that just the way you are, God sees you, God loves you, and that God accepts you that he made his sacrifice on the cross through Jesus so that you could just boldly come to, to God the way you are without having to change anything about your culture, without having to be like anybody else. You can just be you. And if you have not known that till today, and if you have not made that, that step towards God, and you need to do that now, and you want to put your trust in Jesus Christ, I want you to raise your hand. Amen. So if you raise your hand, I want you to pray this prayer after me. And if you have already given your life to Christ, I want you to pray this prayer too as a reaffirmation of your faith. But what I also want you to do is I want you to have somebody in mind that you're praying for. I want you to think about somebody that needs to know this truth of God, that they need to know that they are accepted that they need to know that they're wanted. That they are not different to be isolated, but that God made them different for a reason. I want you to think about that person. I want you to begin to pray for that person. That they would experience the true love of God. That doesn't cha- tell them to change how they dress. That doesn't tell them how to change how they talk. That doesn't tell them try to tell them to be somebody else that they would experience this genuine love. I want you to pray after me. Say, Lord Jesus, I put my trust in you. You are the one true God. You have separated the world only to gather it together again. I love you, Lord. And I see that you love me too. I believe that you died on the cross. And that you rose from the dead. Jesus, I believe you're the son of God. And that you're the only way to heaven for me. In Jesus' name, amen. I hope you enjoyed the message today. If you did, there's a couple things that you could do to connect. First is to subscribe to our show so that the most recent episode will always be in your feed, ready when you are. And second is if this ministry has impacted you and you'd like to help us continue to reach others, you can click the link in the description or visit our website, GraveTop.com, and you can give now. I'll see you next time on the GraveTop Church Podcast.